to Eat This Scroll, a University Fellowship Church podcast. My name is Chris Moore. We get together about twice a week, and we typically are chewing on God's Word. Um, as a special uh, kind of supplementary mini-series, I don't know what we're calling it, but as a part of the Eat the Scroll podcast, we wanted to talk about what we are doing as well as what we are thinking and chewing and meditating on in God's Word. And so um, we have special outreach episodes, and this is one of them. So we have Jane Kamerzelt on with us again. Hello, Jane. Hi, Chris. Welcome back. Thank you so much. Yeah, so happy to have you. So last time, in case you guys missed it, uh, you really should listen to it. Uh, Jane gave us an overview of how uh, our uh, outreach board and ministry works and how it's changed over the course of the years and kind of laid the foundation for sharing about what our individual ministry partners are doing now, which is where we'll start today. So who who are we talking about today, Jane? Today we're going to talk about some partners in South Asia. Okay. And there are some closed countries there, so I'm going to be intentionally generic. But this is a really fun topic for me because I've been here. So this won't be quite as technical as the last one. I know that was a little, I was a little nervous. (laughs) But this one, I get to share what I've seen, what I've heard, and how my heart totally expanded not that I was a Grinch before, but my heart really did grow about 10 times yeah. from seeing and visiting with these people. They are wow. absolutely amazing. So again, in the beginning, <laughs> many years ago, Linda Gramod, my dear friend, was invited to help with the child evangelism workshop in South Asia. So she went and loved it. Hmm. Robert, her husband, sat the first one out, but came at the next invitation, and their relationship with these lovely, beautiful people developed. Hmm. They had pastored a church in Montebello, California, and moved up to Oregon when they retired. So when they were part of this body, that work came with them, and that's how we got plugged in. So I know if they were telling the story, it would be with a lot more detail and a lot better. (laughs) But this is my story, Robert and Linda, and I'm going to tell it. (laughs) So I think it's important just to understand how did we get involved in that part of the world. Mm -hmm. So fast forward to five years ago on my first trip to South South Asia. It was with Robert and Linda, and to say the culture is complicated is an understatement. I had heard names and seen pictures, but there's nothing like being with the people whose names you can barely pronounce. Yeah. In the four times I've been there, we usually fly in and out of a large metropolitan city, which is in the middle of the country. And that area where we go has 50 million people, and it's considered the largest unchurched area in a very unchurched country. Oh, my goodness. So the demographics are exactly who we feel called to reach. As you will recall from last time, I said the pastoral staff's been praying about where do we want to focus our efforts globally, and it is those unreached people. Well, Mm -hmm. we're smack dab in the middle of it with these ministry partners that we come alongside. So here's a quick overview. I'm going to give first names. And I'm not going to give the locations, but you'll get an idea as far as how far apart they are. Mm -hmm. So Prasant and Grace have a residential orphanage where they live. What that means is that they live with the kids, and Mm. these kids are so cute. They have other ministries, but this is what we participate in. So we have some church members that support individual kids. So our visits involve checking on the kids. That was my thing, is I wanted to go and verify how are the kids doing? What are they eating? Are they getting medical checkups? Are they getting dental checkups? 
It's not that Prashant and Grace don't want to do that. They absolutely do. Mm-hmm. They have other ministries. And for us to come alongside them, we have to help determine what are their needs and how can we help. So mm-hmm. that's the purpose. It's not a it's not a white glove inspection by any means. Sure. Prashant and Grace have had a rough year. Um, in the last year, their six in the last year and a half, their six year old son came down with cancer, some mm. very nasty cancer. Prashant's father died, and one of their older kids that had been with them for a long time died from a dog bite. So they oh, had all goodness. this tragedy in a short period of time, and it really took its toll on them. Then on top of that, the various national and local governments, they keep changing and making up the rules for how to run orphanages. Mm. So Prashant and Grace just recently had to move all these kids to another city about four hours away where they have more family support. Right now, the kids are kind of farmed out to trusted family members. Again, we got to see where they are. Mm -hmm. We got to know what's happening with them. But their challenge is to find a house big enough for all the kids. So they're, they're working on that. Now, Robert and Linda met Philip, another ministry partner, as a translator many years ago. So Philip and his wife, Prashanti, run Hallelujah Ministries, and they're in a town about an hour away from Prashant. Mm. And Philip and Prashant were buddies in Bible school. So Robert and Linda met Philip first, and they came alongside of him and his family. He's a second-generation Christian. Mm. And Philip says, hey, I've got this friend that has these kids, and their supporter just pulled out. And so that's how we got involved. So these two knew each other amazing young men that have such a heart for the Lord. These guys are fantastic. So Philip works a lot with tribal colonies, and his beat, if you will, can be up to two hours one way away. So Mm. he's on the road a lot. Yeah. And when I say colonies, there's a lot of... um, a lot of different descriptions. You can have cities, you can have villages, and then you have colonies, which here they would look like are unsheltered camps. Gotcha. That's what a colony would look like. Gotcha. However, these people, that is their shelter. Mm-hmm. That is the best they will get to be. Because in their culture, in their country, they're considered untouchables. Mm. And so they can look at that city a quarter of a mile away, but they better not go in there. So many of them live subsisting on picking trash and selling the pieces of plastic for to the recyclers for a few pennies. They catch rats. I have mm. a, actually a really cool rat trap, um, but they, <laughs> that's how they make money, and they might eat some too. Yeah. Um, these people live a very difficult life, and and it's it's a challenge. Many of these colonies have maybe 15 to 20 families, but we've got the most amazing stories of how a family will come to Christ and the gospel will spread. We've got several colonies where there's a 100% rate of these people coming to the Lord, Wow! which is wonderful because the gospel is really, really bright with these people. Mm-hmm. I mean, these people, life isn't real great for them, and their religious system doesn't give them a lot of hope even after this life. Yeah. But when they hear that there is a God in heaven that loves them and that he notices them and he cares for them and he's got a home prepared for them, there's not really an expectation that their life's going to change a lot here, but but getting through life here, they have so much more hope. So, yeah. so the gospel is actually spreading like wildfire in a lot of areas among these people. 
And what's interesting is in this particular country, the upper echelon, they think, oh, yeah, that gospel stuff is for the poor, stupid people. Right. And I'm really thrilled to be poor and stupid, too. (laughs) No kidding. (laughs) Well, it reminds me of Jesus's ministry on earth when he had such compassion for those who were crippled or um, diseased or whatever. Those people who had no hope, they could see the life other people were living, but that was a pipe dream. Yeah. Yeah. It sure... Change my perspective. Anytime you go on a trip like that, if you don't come back, change. There's you haven't gone. You, yeah, <laughs> you missed something. <laughs> it, it, it really did. As to you know, what what really matters here, and so the work we've been able to do with these people, besides supporting Philip, who's training pastors, we've got this amazing pastor school that he is. He's not running it himself. What he did is he got local Bible teachers to to put together the curriculum. I was fortunate enough to be able to attend a graduation. And I'm telling you, Chris, it makes me teary-eyed just to think about it now mm-hmm. because most of these people are illiterate. Mm. And so I talked to one of the instructors. I said, how'd you do that? And they said, well, we made the curriculum and the testing such that we could verify the competencies even though they were illiterate. Wow. And these pastors and their wives went through the school because many of them, the wives had a little bit of schooling because the boys, when they were young, had to leave to go to work, meaning picking up garbage and Mm. catching rats to help the family. So they're not illiterate because they want to be, but that was just the family circumstances. And to go to this graduation ceremony where Philip made sure that they all, the men and the women, had caps and gowns, it was so cute. Wow. It was just really, really special. And these people are really serious about preaching the gospel. Now, when we when we call them pastors, they are, but that's not their full-time vocation because hmm. their colony can't support them. So they have jobs. But what they have is support from Philip for maybe some needs and also the ongoing uh, pastoral care support. So when we've gone to these colonies, these are the places where we've been able to put in water wells. And what's interesting is that there's water around, but you don't want to touch that water. Sure. And there are some wells. In fact, in one area, there was a government well there. And so Mm. we're kind of looking like, so why did we just do this? And the answer is, yes, but the government only turns it on once a week. Well, Mm. that doesn't work. So when the government doesn't turn it on, then they get to walk two miles one way to get some water. So these water wells are huge. And then... Another amazing thing we've been able to support these colonies with, uh, either a, a permanent shelter where they can have like a meeting room. Some of them can have some school there. They might be able to have church there. It's kind of a community room. Mm-hmm. And when I say private shelter, we're talking about something that's like a backyard shed that you see at Jerry's. I mean, yeah. they're, they're not real big. But also, when we were able to put in the bathrooms, now I'm going to keep it clean here. But- <laughs> I tell you, these poor women, I mean, there's no privacy. Mm. And so to get up in the middle of the night and you don't know what kind of critters out there or who's out there, and and to be able to just put bathrooms in was just so nice. And it's such an incredible blessing to them. I can't even imagine what it's like for these people living there during the raining season. It must just be horrendous. Wow. But when we go and we go to a church service or worship service, the joy that is there is palpable. It is just so uplifting. Mm-hmm. And whatever inconveniences we have getting there or being there, it's just you don't even think about it when you see the absolute joy of these people. It is really a special, it's a special trip. Wow. So Philip does that. And then 
in those colonies, oftentimes the parents can't take care of the kids. And so we will help support what we call village orphans. And these kids will be usually living with the pastor. And so we give them a little bit of a stipend to help with the additional expenses. And that comes from generous supporters at University Fellowship supporting these these village orphans. So they don't live in Philip's house, like in Prashant and Grace, they live in their house with them, but they live in the different colonies. But Philip himself, or he has a person that verifies how the kids are doing. Are they in school? Are they healthy? Are they doing okay? Because we feel very strongly that the supporters are trusting us to make sure that the money's going where it needs to go. And I've literally been to those villages, looked, these houses are made out of palm branches and they're dirt floors. But I, I asked one of the girls, I said, so where do you sleep? You know, and mm-hmm. what do you do? And and we're verifying that, yes, there are real, they are real kids. And yes, they really are being taken care of. And so yeah. it, it's uplifting. It's just, I can't imagine what they do when it rains. It's It's got to be amazing. So one time we decided we're going to take the village kids to the ocean because the primary area where most of these kids are is about an hour away. So we rented these things called tuk-tuks with drivers, which have absolutely no shocks. Now, old people like me drove in the car with Philip, so that was okay. But most of these kids had never been in a car before, and about half of them threw up on the way. Oh, no. So I was kind of glad I was in the other car. Mm-hmm. But the kids got to the ocean, and they 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 ran in the water, and we're just going, oh, no, we know they don't know how to swim. They're running <laughs> in the water, and then they go, who dug this pond, and why is it so salty? <laughs> Oh, my goodness. It was so sweet. It was so sweet. So that's what we call the big city orphans and then then the uh, pastoral training and the village orphans. We also support uh, widows. And when I say support widows, we support a group that has built a facility with 12 beds for 12 widows. And that's literally out in the middle of, I won't say nowhere because it is somewhere, but it takes four hours on a really rough road to Mm. get there. And these women are basically there to live out the rest of their lives in peace and comfort. Because in this particular country, and I found out this is in other countries too, even England, that the culture is when the husband dies, the assets go to the oldest son. Mm. Well, if oldest son Wife doesn't like mother-in-law. She's on the street, and there's a lot of ladies on the street. It breaks your heart. Mm. And so when I talked to the ministry partners about the women, I asked them, how about, about how old are they? And they, they have been through some stuff, and they look like they have lived very hard lives. Some of them were younger than me, and many were my age. And wow. I thought, wow, that's, that's what happens when you've been thrown out on the street. So in this particular home, um, we... I say we, because this this is our thing, too. Mm-hmm. Um, we hire some staff to help take care of them. But our ministry partners actually live in, in different parts of that country, kind of far away, so they meet us there. But they regularly check on how things are going. And if one of the ladies dies, which the turnover rate's pretty good, um, the spot is quickly filled. There's a lot of demand for housing for widows. Mm-hmm. And, in fact, Philip is, is now getting... Uh, a house through another ministry partner uh, to house some widows too. Yeah. There's just such a, a huge need there. What a s- stark and startling contrast. I I would hope for most people to think, you know, you get old, you, you hope you have some retirement set up, 
You know, maybe you go into a retirement home, maybe you move in with your kids. There you just go on the street and hope to have some measure of comfort before you die. Yeah. What a difference from our experience. <laughs> it, it really is. But these ladies are such a crack up. Oh my gosh. <laughs> now they say in communication, only 7% is words. Mm-hmm. And trust me, we don't even need them. I had absolutely no doubt when one of these ladies was trying to trade her sorry for mine. I mean, <laughs> we didn't need any words. I knew exactly what she wanted to do. But what's really sweet is when they put their hands on my face mm. and they look in my eyes and and they're saying thank you in their own way. And mm-hmm. then I'll take their hands. I'll maybe rub some lotion on them. And I mean, there's just a really sweet exchange of showing love and showing value mm-hmm. and letting these people know that you are loved mm-hmm. and we're here to show you God's love. I mean, I can love you a little bit, but think how much God loves you. So it's really heartwarming for me to be able to go and and share with these ladies. We'll, we will share some words of encouragement. We're encouraged to do that. And then, of course, Philip translates. Mm-hmm. And we just let them know that God hasn't forgotten you, that he yeah. loves you. You are remembered. You're not by yourself. It, it's, it's, it's an amazing experience to be able to look these people in the eye that were on the street and just say, I'm here with you. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not looking down on you. I am with you and yeah. I care about you. And it's, I know I tell you, it, it gets to you. Yeah. It's because that's how God cares about us. Mm-hmm. It's really quite touching. So what we ask, oh, another thing I wanted to mention is, you know, I've gone four times and Robert and Linda are the tour guides and we've invited lots of other people. But besides me, only one other has ever wanted to come back. <laughs> <laughs> and like we, we sort of laugh about it we tell people you know this is not for the faint of heart yeah. in fact our dear friend bruce berg mm-hmm. went and i I just adore bruce and that's how i got to know him he did us a favor by taking some great pictures and you know that big grin he had he mm-hmm. looks at me he says i'm never coming back here <laughs> and you have to it once yeah. <laughs> i know i know it's like well you know it's 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 who God kind of calls you. And then all of a sudden, sure. certain things just don't bother you quite as much. But what we, I want to do is tell these stories because I want to ask the listeners to please pray for these courageous souls, our ministry partners, because persecution is real in their part of the world, and mm. it's getting worse all the time. And we just took on another uh, church planning partner in the same general area who will be working with these uh, colonies, these types of people, and he's got some other partners that he's working with to do pastoral training, disciple making, and lots of church planning. So we're excited about that, but I'm going to have to highlight him another time because he's he's got a lot going on. Another thing I wanted to mention is that at the end of March, the outreach team is hosting what we call a global lunch to highlight our partners in the South Asian part of the world. And one of the best you can one of the best ways you can highlight that is to have people sample the food, which mm-hmm. is the best food in the world. And it's not that spicy. It, it really is. <laughs> so before we go, I just I know some listeners are probably thinking traveling to a third world country isn't quite their thing. It's okay. <laughs> I didn't know if it would be mine either. Mm-hmm. But we will also talk about at that lunch ways that anyone can get involved in UFC's local or global outreach with any of our partners. So there's a lot of opportunities for people to get connected and involved without even leaving the comfort of your own home. So our outreach team's philosophy is that we're all missionaries in our own way and that there's room enough for all of us to serve. 
whether we're going to the mission field or sending those who are answering God's call or serving, praying, or just encouraging, there's a place for everyone. We want to make people in our congregation aware of open pathways to see if maybe God is nudging them or calling them to move forward. Mm-hmm. So that's the plan. I love it. That's great. Yeah, see, bring this to people's attention and let the Spirit do the rest of the work. Um like you said, we're all missionaries. We are all called to make disciples and to spread the gospel. And so this is something that we can do now, here, and maybe out there. It is. And there's <laughs> room enough for all. Yes. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jane. I appreciate you coming on again. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate that, too. My pleasure. Well, we'll get you next time. Sounds good. Well, thanks for listening. Thank you to our guests for coming and sharing what they've been chewing on in God's Word. We produce these podcasts and release them twice a week, so please subscribe so you don't miss out on one. And don't forget, love God, love your neighbor, and make disciples.